Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a prickly subject. Sure to raise a few eyebrows or perhaps the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm Charlotte Cook. I'm a 26-year-old woman. I have pale skin and dark, thick body hair. Yep, my eyebrows grow down onto my eyelids. I have a moustache with a life of its own and a snail trail which, on occasion, has been caught in a... Ow! Zip. In this podcast, I'm talking about bodies, hairy bits, and sex. This might be uncomfortable listening for some people. Believe it or not, it even makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm sharing a very vulnerable part of myself, but I want to challenge the taboo and push myself to remove the shame I've carried for so long. But there's no more beating around the bush here. So I talked to those who labour over each follicle. I worked out that... 32,000 hours of plucking I have done in my lifetime. And those who embrace it? When your vagina hair is so long that, like, sometimes it could be tangled so you can't get in to the vagina hole. Even those who are required by religion to remove the carpet from their downstairs bits. As long as you can't wrap it around your finger. (laughs) then that's fine, like it has to be short. And others have been through a journey to womanhood. For us, it's like, no one's going to accept me as a woman if I don't remove all my body hair. And I just want to acknowledge the angst about body hair isn't strictly a problem for the ladies. But in this series, I'll just be talking to people who identify as female. If you gents really want your own version, write to my executive producer demanding a second season. Body hair has made me feel isolated, ugly, unfeminine, and like a problem that needs to be constantly solved. From the moment my prepubescent body sprouted its first black coarse hair, I've kept it and the lengths I go to to remove it a secret. Or at least I thought I was keeping it hidden. I remember when I was about 13, a boy in high school said, Oh, who would want to kiss you with that moustache? 
I realised the bleach which I thought had made my mo invisible had actually left me with long yellow hairs on my upper lip. I've since waxed it off and had my first kiss, but for the journey of the podcast, I've set about reaching that natural state once again. I'm letting it all go, except for the one part of my body I don't normally mind keeping some hair. I enlisted the help of a remarkably hairless woman, my friend and colleague, Sonia Yen. We're on the way to Off and On, which is a, uh, in its name, a specialist in removing and also putting things on people's skin in terms of body hair. I'm about to get a Brazilian wax, and if you aren't already familiar with the term, that's where they remove all of your pubes, and I'm terrified. What's the situation down there right now? (laughs) I guess currently I would say my, my pubes are medium to mild length. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them. Like what? How many centimetres approximately? What the... I'm sporting a pretty triangular shape currently. It's quite full. Uh, maybe not like a full 70s look, but, but close to. And I haven't, like, I haven't really removed them properly for a very long time. I'm excited because I've, I don't know anything about this process. You've had it done before? Once. Once. About 10 years ago. And how was that for you? I think it's worth knowing what I'm about to go in and do rather than it being a first time. Like, I know that half of my vagina might come off on a wax strip. Okay, well, let's go in. Should we go in? Yeah. I am Charlotte, and I am here to have my pubes removed. From here, I'm taken to a small room and given some privacy to get myself undressed and onto a bed with my hairy legs splayed and only a paper g-string to hide my wildly uncontained bush. This is also where we meet Tegan, a waxer at off and on, or as I like to call her, a pube wrangler. Awesome. So I'm going to get a hold the g-string in the middle there. It's kind of funny to be wearing a... I know! It's kind of like modesty, isn't it? Keeps everything in place. It's like weird for me to be here too, sorry. I can yeah. actually see what you have done yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah. what do you see? What do you see? Can you describe it? Um, I guess there's hair there, obviously. It's not too bad. Everyone's hair is different. Do you feel vulnerable, like having your vagina yes. up to a complete stranger? Yes, I do feel vulnerable. And I think that's half of the, like, the nerves is, like, I'm kind of a prude person, like, you, people probably wouldn't know that about me, but I am quite, like, self-conscious and, and prudish. You know when you said you had a triangle? Yeah. I expected, like, it was going to be this, like, perfectly manicured... Oh, no. Like, you literally... I, I have done nothing down there. Three, two, one. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I've not done this just for some gruelling and excellent audio. I've done it because it's something that many, many women do, and I thought it only fair you know exactly how it goes. I have a lot of hair down there. Do you have that much hair down there? No. To save you the full hour-long session, I've decided just to offer you my pube montage. Oh. Ow. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh my goodness, that was the owl one. Yeah, there was quite a bit of hair in that. Oh, quite a bit of hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I've seen it. <laughs> Probably. Is it blood? Is it blood? 
little spots of it sometimes, it's completely normal. How would you describe my pubic hairs? They're thicker, thicker hair. Are they the thickest you've ever seen? No! Oof. <laughs> 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 Big oof. <laughs> I don't know if I feel like a new woman, but I feel like I've got a new vagina. It's all done. All done. Yeah. Thank you so much. And while that might have sounded deeply traumatising and painful, it was. But Tegan and Off and On were lovely and didn't even bat an eyelid when I asked to take a wax strip home. Basically, like a piece of fake lawn made of pubic hair. Oh. There we go. Oh, God. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh! It was red, raw, and sore for about 48 hours, like a silky smooth sunburn. But while I felt lonely without my pubes, I am certainly not alone. Hair removal products are currently worth about three and a half billion New Zealand dollars globally. And the amount some women spend in a lifetime easily equates up to about $326,000. A study in 2013 by Virginia Brown, who you'll hear from soon, found 86% of their female sample had removed pubic hair in their lifetime. 69% reported current removal, although not everyone chooses to. My body here is gonna stay right there my body here thank you thanks that was amazing thank you it was creed inspired meet priya sami an auckland-based musician singer chippy and all-round laugh my leg hairs are so long now that i do feel them they like they, they, they the wind picks them up and they kind of tickle me and it's kind of like a nice little intimate moment I have with my leg hairs. And while we stroked our leg hairs together, we talked all things furry, including her first Brazilian. Yeah, Brazilians are so weird. And then how loose your undies are after? (laughs) Obviously, I had really (laughs) a massive, massive uh, bush. Oh my goodness. The Waitakere's even, maybe even like the Uruweres of Bush. I've had Brazilians and I've honestly been like, could I stop now? Oh no, because then half of my vagina will be bald and half of it will be hairy. And I'm like, maybe I should stop. No, keep going, keep going. No, stop. (laughs) And then they're like, roll over and pull your ass cheeks apart. (laughs) And then I always feel like I should like, I want to hug them afterwards because it's been so intimate. Then I got ingrowns and like, what the f***? I'd rather have a hairy vagina than a scarred vagina. But like most young women, she's dabbled in some hair removal on her own. My mum said, well, you can't shave your legs, but if you want to shave, you can epilady. And so from a young age, that really put me off because epilady is the little like machine that pulls your hair out and it makes a horrible noise. It's like a hair lawnmower. Yeah, it is a hair lawnmower for your legs. And so I remember in like my last year of primary school going real rebel and like shaving my legs. Because you have to understand, I'm half Fijian Indian. So I've always had this complex that I'm a hairy person. And it's only been since I've been an adult that I've realised I'm not that hairy. 
and actually my poor cousins, my poor, poor cousins who are um, Irish Māori, they're the hairiest. It's so sad. Anyway, I shaved my legs in the end of primary and I was like, man, this sucks. And so throughout intermediate, I didn't shave my legs and I'm the kind of person that starts a joke about myself before other people can. So I just called them my black florists. I don't know about you, but I grow hair in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So what was your discovery of, like, where else does it grow on you? Uh, I think getting pubes was real weird, eh, on your edge. And, like, also the taboo of, like, ooh, pubes, but then also, like, examples on the internet are porn, and there is no hair, so you start thinking, it shouldn't be there, oh my god. Apart from my leg hair, I didn't realise I had other problems, you know? Priya still feels judgement for her decisions, or lack of it, when it comes to black forests. In Form 2, I was at my house and my older cousin, she came over and she went, oh, Priya, no, lie down. She got tweezers and she plucked my monobrow. I had a really bad monobrow, and luckily I had older cousins that, you know, got rid of it before that became a joke. What I've never understood was, like, how I've got really long eyelashes, Mm. and everyone's like, oh, you've got such lovely eyelashes. But no one ever says, oh, you've got such lovely armpit hairs. I wonder if there's a level of judgement for whatever choice you make. Your sexy, silky legs are asking for it, and someone will likely say something about your hairy pins. We've had at least a century of being told and sold ideas of body hair as non-feminine. That's Virginia Brown, a professor at the University of Auckland School of Psychology who specialises in, you guessed it, body hair quite concerted campaigns within certainly English-speaking Western countries to tell women that the appropriate femininity was a effectively hairless femininity. And we should do everything to keep unsightly hair out of public space. And so that really was connected in the earlier 20th century to fashion changes as women wore dresses that revealed their legs or underarms, those things started to become seen as problematic, dirty, unpleasant, not for public display. These are some excerpts from New Zealand newspapers in 1908. Electrolysis for the removal of superfluous hairs and moles. These are disfigurements of feminine beauty. It is marvellous what a difference to facial beauty the removal of the hairs on the upper lip and chin do make. If you are troubled by these disfigurements, let me deal with them. It must be admitted, the hair growth on the face of females is apt to impart a somewhat unsightly appearance to the countenance and causes the subjects of this deformity to inquire whether or not safe means exist for the annihilation of the unwelcome growths. I think that's why some of that early advertising was so interesting because it was actually teaching people, right, like, this is disgusting or this is unattractive. You shouldn't be doing this thing. This is what's desirable, quite explicitly in a way that 
it would be quite weird to see an ad for like Gillette razor going, a feminine woman doesn't have leg hair. But the removal of body hair dates much further back. Women in ancient Greece thought body hair was for barbarians. Historians think by the 1500s, most European women were removing their pubic hair, and some even replaced them with something called a merkin, which is like a pubic hair wig. But judging by my visit to Peaches and Cream adult megastore, they seem to have gone out of fashion in the last 500 years. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. Do you sell merkins? Like a pubic hair wig? You've never heard of a merkin? I think it's M E R K I N. Oh my gosh. Are you just Googling it right now? Yeah. yeah. So, not a big demand for merkins? I can't say I've ever had anyone ask for them. Oh my god, look at his teeth. <laughs> Pulverised eggshells, arsenic, volcanic glass, bamboo, clamshell tweezers creams made of bat's blood. These are all things that were used to rid oneself of unwelcome growths anywhere on the body. So is it any wonder why I feel embarrassed by my mo? After all, I'd be going against half a millennium of tradition. As we see that image again and again and again and again and again, not only is it normalised, so it's kind of associated with the right and proper way to be feminine... Um, quote-unquote, but also that comes to be associated with desirability and aesthetic appeal, and its opposite starts to become positioned as unnatural. Ironically, the natural becomes the unnatural within that state. I'm a Pākehā woman, so the beauty standards for me are predominantly hairless, but other cultures have different relationships with body hair. That's something I'll delve into a little later, but back to Priya Sami, whose journey with body hair has come at a cost. I feel very traumatised by my body hair and growing up with it and thinking about it. You know what? If I wasn't thinking about body hair, I'd probably be a frickin' engineer, you know? Like, I would probably be a genius. Like the emotional and physical energy and time that you've spent worrying about. Yeah, and the admin. Virginia Brown calls it body work because of the effort people put in to modify themselves to reach beauty standards and societal norms. It's time and it's money and it's psychological energy and emotional energy. It seems like on one level a very trivial thing and a very sort of like superficial thing, but actually there's quite a lot of emotional labour that kind of goes into thinking and worrying about it. And you talked about shame. And shame and disgust have been two of the kind of strongest emotions that have been kind of tagged to body hair um, for women, you know, in the display of body hair and having it displayed in the wrong places. And so that's a pretty intense emotional state to be resisting and challenging as well. Is it actually a choice to remove body hair? It's a decision, I think, but it's not a choice. And I think we make decisions about what we do. So we have a sense of agency. But the choices we make are always located within the norms and messages and expectations that have been given to us. And it's not surprising that the decision to just kind of go along with that is made. But that also doesn't take into account the fact that, you know, we've also grown up in in a society where 
you know, if you have any investment in wanting to be feminine or wanting to be desirable, or which from year zero you've been told are the things that you should be and want to be, then, you know, our own aesthetic preferences are shaped in those contexts as well. It's not just a simple thing of going, oh, it's such a hassle to remove my leg here, I'm going to stop. But actually we might understand a hairy leg is not looking as good or not even liking the look of it. And so we have our own socially produced aesthetics to also navigate. And that's where it gets really complicated, where if things are just framed as like, you know, you should be a feminist and you should stop removing your body hair, it doesn't sort of take into account the complex psychology that women have to navigate if they make that choice. But I think in the research, there was a suggestion that it takes a particular type of woman, like a particularly strong woman or a particularly independent woman or a woman who is able to kind of resist all the pressures and norms and expectations. And that makes it quite a hard ask um, for anyone to, to do it. I wondered if knowing all this, whether Virginia still removed her body hair. I do. Not always, but most of the, most of the time. Depends on how much effort I feel like I'm putting in. And I have a full and thorough critique of it, and I'm still situated within it. But I think it's interesting that I can be as critically engaged in this field of scholarship and have researched it for a long time and still... Um, find the idea of sort of shifting and changing those aesthetics that have been very kind of heavily sold, find that very hard. Coming back to Priya, it wasn't exactly her choice to disconnect her eyebrows, but it's still something she continues to do. Oh, Priya, lie down. So what would you say to, to, to Priya? 11-year-old Priya? I would say you're awesome and don't Actually, no, I would definitely pluck her eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. Because I, I think it is, it's worth not getting um, harassed about it, bullied about it. And I think we should, like, get better tog bottoms for girls. Speaking of that part of the body, her hairy bits don't seem to hamper her sex life too much. When your vagina hair is so long that sometimes it could be tangled so you can't get in to the... Vagina hole? Mm -hmm. I have been thinking I should probably trim. But then I'm not a hairdresser. Like, I'd like to get a hairdresser to do it so it could be like... Some feathering. Yeah, some layering, maybe like match my some fringe. Some bangs. Some bangs on my match. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? She's not the only one who's considering something of a more arty variety to spice things up. The lights are down low. You've lit the candle, hoping the darkness will distract from your chin hairs. While you pray, no wandering hands find a patch of stubble you missed in the shower. And that's exactly what we look into next time on Hair and Loathing. How do our hair removal decisions impact on our sex lives? But that's next time on Hair and Loathing with me, Charlotte Cook. This is a Tahi podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you usually get them. Alternatively, head to the RNZ podcast and series page. Hair and Loathing is made by me, Charlotte Cook. 
The executive producer is Sonia Yee, and William Saunders is the sound engineer. Kakite. Botox Cosmetic, Adobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.